and welcome to the Aspire to Be podcast. I'm your host, Julie Kropgorelik. In an eighth grade history class, the teacher had asked us to identify individuals who had integrity. As he went around the room, students blurted out the president and other notable figures. When I was called on, I said, my parents. My teacher at the time was definitely surprised by my response, but he smiled and said, that's the best response yet. That sentiment has rung true my entire life. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today, Mark Kropp, my dad, my mentor, and oftentimes my voice of reason. While his career highlights include notable brands such as Westinghouse or Schindler Electric, he is also known for commercial and real estate endeavors, one of which includes owning the Avenue Restaurant in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It's the last endeavor that inspired my first book, Dare to Become, From the Corner Booth to the Corner Office. Welcome to the Aspire to Be podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. So there's a lot of ground to cover in just one episode. So we're going to dig in literally and figuratively. So you were 45, which is my age now, when you decided to make a huge life pivot, um, going from a successful career in the corporate world to literally becoming the chief bottle washer. Tell me what led to this decision to buy a restaurant, and if my memory serves me correctly, one that you had never eaten in before. Well, <laughs> yeah, the last part's a good, a good story. Uh, you know, I, I, I think once you decided that business is going to be your, your career, um, there's, there's a point in time when you get to, uh, in your career, that you say, look, if I'm going to really reach the pinnacle of uh, being a manager and being a business uh, manager, um, there's no better challenge than doing it all on your own. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a really uh, a lot of nights of th thought and process of, of saying, okay, I'll no longer have the big corporation behind me with their budgets and their mm -hmm. safety nets. So <clears throat> even with that, I think everyone at some point in their time, if they're in the business world, um, thinks about and contemplates uh, the day when they're going to test themselves, really test themselves, and to do it all on their own. Mm -hmm. And so basically, once I decided the business was going to be my career path, I think that's j just sort of fell into place as, as the, the career grew and the more I learned. Um, I never thought that I would be in the restaurant business. It wasn't <laughs> something I, I, I strove to do. I was basically buying some commercial real estate to as an investment opportunity, mm -hmm. and uh, these three properties came up, and it just so happened it had a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I looked at it, and I thought, well, I'll lease it to somebody who wanted to be in the restaurant business. And, of course, in my research, found that that's probably the worst way. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> because um, people, when things get a little too tough and they only have a lease to worry about, uh, mm -hmm. they're here one day and gone the next. And yeah. now I've got an empty building. Um, basically... Uh, I was traveling a lot at the mm -hmm. time of my, my assignment with the corporation. And my wife said, the kids are off to college. Um, I'm here alone a lot now. You go to work in the mornings at the office and call me by noon, and you're on your way to someplace across the United States. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> why don't you just pull the pin early, the corporate pin early, and um, you do it. You can do this, and um, I'll come and at least have dinner with you every night, and that way I'll know where you are. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got in the restaurant business. Yeah, it's very true. I remember you traveled a lot. I mean, it was three, four days a week for the longest time, probably the last five years. You were 
working in corporate America, right? Yeah, I've basically had all of North America, primarily the United States, but Canada and Mexico. Uh, And while I had some staff that I could send to to some of those areas, I pretty much dealt with the United States, encompassing the whole United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got to see the country. Um, I've got a lot of experience in, uh, in, in traveling. But uh, there comes a time, I think, when they get a little tired of that, and mm-hmm. um, you just decide, well, I'd like to be anchored somewhere for, for more than just mm-hmm. a, a day at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, and something I think that I know I cover a little bit in the book was really sort of the story to get to, to the avenue and to, to purchasing that real estate. So even though you did have a full-time job working you know, um, at the corporation, um, you and mom often invested in real estate, residential real estate projects, where you would come in and you'd take a really broken and a really rundown house, and you would turn it into a really beautiful home that you were able to sell. And describe to me a little bit about that. I mean, I know you started that well before you had thought about, you know, investing in the commercial side of it, um, and you really kind of built your way into that, right? So. Yeah, you know, it's like anything else that you start out small, um, and. Basically, I, I, I often tell people, I said, you know, we, we used to buy things that were just one step better than a good vacant lot. <laughs> um, and so we, would, we would go in and we'd take a look at it and thought, well, what, if we were buying this house, mm-hmm. what would we want it to look like? What would we want it to be included in it? Um, I had a hobby mm-hmm. of working with my hands in, in carpentry work. Um, and so I enjoyed it. It became a hobby. So um, she and I spent a lot of time building decks and mm-hmm. hanging kitchen cabinets and uh, I remember scrubbing walls scrubbing walls and laying mm-hmm. floors um, and when it was done then we would just put it on the market and sell it and and uh, to somebody that would appreciate it mm-hmm. and carry it on so it was it was sort of a hobby type make a few extra bucks to put you and your sister through college sure yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly, again, you know, from that then to buying a restaurant, certainly a leap, right? I think certainly, too, as you told and shared it with Marcy and I, you know, we were a little trepidatious in and going, well, shoot, is it good news or bad news that he's buying a restaurant? We just knew that it would be a change, but turned out to be very positive change just in terms of general work-life balance. You still worked the same amount of hours, if not more hours, but you were you were where we could find you, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, where, where I would show up every day at 7 in the morning and where I'd be every night at 10 o'clock when we locked the doors. Um, it, it, it was a, a good thing to bring you back home and sell mm-hmm. you back in the neighborhood. Yes, you and your sister were a little um, apprehensive at first. Maybe <laughs> Dad had lost something along the way that, you know, uh, he needed to recapture in terms of making good decisions. Um, and some of my fellow managers at uh, my corporate job uh, really tried to talk me out of it, saying that they, they yeah. thought I was really making a, a big mistake. And um, so, you know, you, you have to be determined and, and not allow people to steal your dreams. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so at some point in time, you just have to step out on faith. Yeah, no, it's true. We talk a lot about investing in yourself and not being afraid to mm-hmm. do so. And sometimes it's, you know, harder um, at different stages in your life. You were 45, which is where I'm at now. And I, you know, started my business when I was 30. So it's, I'm 15 years in and it still doesn't get any easier. <laughs> um, but tell me a little bit about, so you had experience working, you know, in the corporate environment. You had teams of people that you worked with that reported to you. Um, what was it like walking into your first staff meeting, knowing that you were taking over a restaurant 
that had been in business with the same owner for 26 years. How long was Frank and Jane uh, there? Frank had about 18 years, 18 but it, years. It, was, um, it had started in 1950 with the first mm-hmm. owner, and uh, Frank was the second owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically came to, um, the, in my travels, I would obviously hit uh, major cities most of the time, and I would find myself in a restaurant and not and remember what restaurants it is because mm-hmm. all the formula restaurants are the same. Yep. And and I got to where I when I would go to New York I would look for the little family restaurants off the main drag and I would mm-hmm. and I saw so many of my counterparts from other companies doing the same thing because they were just a little tired of the formula. Mm-hmm. And so this restaurant was so much a part of the history of the town. Yeah. And um, so I thought, well this is what I want to do. This mm-hmm. is the, I want to make it go back to where it's heyday, um, refurbish the, the business, not only from the standpoint of the business, but the, the, the physical uh, facilities as well. Um, it, it, it was a real challenge because I come out of a corporate environment where we have a long history of being selective and having a lot of really great luck finding good people who yeah. had vision as what their job was and what they, you know, they're very responsible and mm-hmm. they were, um, you, you could count on them, mm-hmm. you know, doing so many things on their own without taking instructions once you trained them. Mm-hmm. Um, my first staff meeting. Uh, I remember was, that staff <laughs> meeting, by the way. <laughs> it, it was, all I could say was, uh, and, and Frank and Janie told me, they said, look, they had been there 18 years mm-hmm. and they had allowed it to slip the last four years because their kids decided they didn't want to go down that path. Mm-hmm. So he basically was just allowing others to, make some decisions and do some things. And while the core of the business was still solid and the reputation was still solid, sure, uh, it had a few barnacles on the ship. But as you came in, you had to kind of build on the team. I know there were many employees that had been there for 18 years, some, and, and, and even decided to stay, right, even with the transition. And so, um, you know, how did you approach that? That's got to be difficult to come into a team that were used to the routine they had. There was very little oversight. And then here you come in wanting to implement process and procedure. Um, what did that feel like? It was, it was rather, um, at times it, it, it was overwhelming because uh, the, the, the core staff were still very good. Yeah. They had been with them, like you say, some of them 18 yeah. years. And so, obviously, those were the people you wanted to keep. Yeah. And, and you wanted to, the, your biggest challenge was, okay, are they going to see in me what they saw in their former employer? Right. Uh, are they going to be patient enough and give me enough time to show them where we is we want to go? Because yep. I had a definite idea of where I wanted to go with, yep. the, with the theme of the restaurant. And I didn't want to run away from what was already established. Yeah. I wanted to build on the historic significance of the restaurant in a historically significant community mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to um, go for the clientele that were like myself who would go on vacation or go to a business meeting mm-hmm. and were looking for a local place where they could go and r- rub shoulders with local people mm-hmm. and look at the local fare no more of this formula restaurant yep. no, I didn't want to go down the road and change everything and go into some kind of fast food or some yep. kind of of a branded uh, restaurant. I wanted to be unique and one of a kind. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think it definitely resonated, right? I mean, not just with the team. I mean, you ended up successfully maintaining most of our employees throughout your tenure while you were there. We did have some turnover Mm because, you know, with anything, there is turnover, especially in restaurants. But for the most part, you had a lot of people that were full-time employees um, that had stayed with you from the very first day until even with the transition, some of them stayed once you exited out. Um, But with that also came the customer base. So I know one of the first decisions you had made when you took over was to eliminate the smoking section. Talk to me a little bit about how how that went over. We had to grow into that. Um, You know, the the, the whole non-smoking phenomena um, I had dealt with in a corporate environment Mm -hmm. in a large manufacturing facility, Mm -hmm. okay? And I had been given the responsibility of of surveying the staff and surveying everyone and saying, do we want to go non-smoking? And and to my surprise, the majority of the, the employees at that point in time decided they wanted to go that way. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it was popular. Right. And it certainly doesn't mean that it was um, easy. Right. So I had some experience that I brought into the restaurant. And in, initially, we, we had uh, air makeup units that we could pretty much segregate the two. Unfortunately, you had to walk through the smoking section to get to the non-smoking section, and that was a matter of the facilities. It's just the way it was. Sure. Um, So we had gone and and kept that, maintained that pretty much the first, you know, three quarters of a year, and and we had a situation where the one air makeup unit went down one hot summer, and so we were forced to say, okay, no smoking at all. And, and uh, some of the customers were really upset about that. Yes. Um, but uh, initially, when it come time, the system was fixed in a few days. A, an amazing thing happened in that a lot of my staff who were smokers themselves came mm-hmm. to me and said, we don't want to go back. Exactly. And so we, we lost some customers. Uh, a lot of them customers that would come in twice a day and sit there and drink coffee forever. Sure. So, I mean, the impact on that wasn't that great. But what we found is we basically had like a 20% increase in business when we did that. Yeah. So, again, um, it was one of those things you just sort of walked into that worked yeah. out. Yeah. You know? Well, and sometimes, like, the <clears throat> not, it may not be the most popular decision. can sometimes be the most beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of growth. And and it sounds like from, from talking to you about kind of your vision for the avenue, you know, you really did intend for it to become the destination, mm-hmm. right, for people. We had a lot of customers that came in once a day, sometimes twice a day. Um, and then we even had families that came back every summer that ate at our restaurant breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, you know, I know that was intentional on your part. And what do you think drew those customers back time and time again? Well, I, I think it was much my vision from when I when I decided I was going to buy the restaurant, and that was I wanted some place that people would go, and they didn't want to go to the local formula restaurant because they'd just been there. They forget after you, if you if you ever travel a lot, you, you you get into this mode and you don't you forget which city you're in. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted something to be unique and friendly, and where people walked in, um, they knew the staff because mm-hmm. they'd been there forever. Yeah, uh, relatively forever. relatively forever, <laughs> and. Uh, and then, and then the staff knew the people. Yeah. And we had people that would come in every year from, from London, England, mm-hmm. and they would eat there every day, the three weeks they were in town. Yeah. And we had people from uh, the big metropolitan areas, which we were close to, yeah. relatively close to, yeah. that would repeat visitors. Uh, that became what we called regulars. Yeah. And 
We basically just wanted to get them, make them feel as though they were at home, mm -hmm. away from home. Yeah. Well, and, and I remember there were so many I remember. So we had um, the colonel who came in. He was a local regular. We had a group of guys that sat at the counter every day for coffee. Um, there were four of them that came in, one for hot chocolate, three for coffee, one being decaf. Um, but there were also families that we watched their children grow over the time that we had it, and they came back in. And I know, you know, even during 9-11, the restaurant became a hub for travelers that were trying to reach their family members. So it really was more than just a place to eat. I think it became an experience for people, and they could come in and chat with us, and we would share our stories. I know they certainly watched Marcy and I grow up. We had gone to college. They watched us make the decision for where we want to go. And, um, you know, certainly I think that's what made it as special as what it was, right? Um, you were able to successfully grow the avenue year over year. And what do you think attributed to the sustained growth? I think in any business, there's, uh, and people have always asked me how I could have been involved, because even in my corporate career, I was involved in different aspects mm -hmm. of that corporation and, that, and functions in that corporation. But they always ask me, what was the key to your success in so many different areas? Mm -hmm. And I think when I got to boil it down, uh, you know, you like to, so what's the first five, or what's the five things you have to do to be successful? Well, that's, mm -hmm. you can't always, that's not always the way it is, but for me, it was the three C's. And the first was clean, and I was big on clean. Yes, you were. <laughs> we had a lot. We had a, in a restaurant. I thought that was appropriate. And, yes. And we had a, even as restaurants goes, we had the most strict adherence to processes mm -hmm. and procedures. And a lot of times, if we attracted uh, new employees from another restaurant, our biggest battle was to break them of their bad habits. That's correct. That they had learned before. Yeah. Uh, but clean, and when I say clean, I don't just mean clean the counters and the floors and whatnot, but I'm saying the menus have to be crisp and clean yep. and readable with no stains on them. The light bulbs. Light bulbs. You, you, you brought that up. That's, you're tired of me hearing me say that. but you know, <laughs> I'm not it, tired. I just remember is, it. <laughs> success is always really about the light bulbs, which is to say it's about the small things. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first night when I, uh, the, I was going in the next day to buy the restaurant. I had never eaten there before. Okay. And it was just a fluke that I had. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I had eaten there, by the way. Yeah, you had. And <laughs> and um, so I was driving by, and I looked at the, the at the outside of it, and I looked in there, and I counted thirteen light bulbs that were burnt out. And I thought to myself, if if I drove by and saw a restaurant that thirteen light bulbs on the front of their building was burnt out, would I want to eat there? Mm -hmm. And course obviously uh, the answer is no so when I came into the first day um, Adam who was just started his first day as a dishwasher I handed him a case of light bulbs <laughs> I told him to turn all the lights on in the restaurant make sure there's a, a lit light bulb in each fixture mm -hmm. and I got a really strange look from him mm -hmm. uh, why in the middle of the day when I turning early, early morning when the sun's up yeah. and I tried to explain to him that's that's the direction we're going here it's right. important to make sure that the lights are always burning yeah well, that leads into the second point, which is control, right? Correct. Control, you have to control your processes. Mm -hmm. and, and basically, once you, was, you, you develop a, a procedure, a process that, that you feel as though is comfortable and you can achieve your goals with, mm -hmm. you want to make sure that that process is ingrained in the way you do business. Mm -hmm. uh, in a cleanliness matter, um, we didn't allow gloves. And the, in, the That's right. inspectors didn't want us to wear gloves. Mm -hmm. He wanted us to train our staff to develop processes 
that we were that were easy to control to certain that they would always have a disinfectant cloth in their hands and they were always very conscious about cleaning their hands before they picked anything else up and we we achieved that but that's just one example of, of you know control sure and, and you have to maintain um, that control so that your your experience that you deliver you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, it's the same experience you deliver first thing seven a.m. in the morning. Yep, exactly, and that leads into the last one, which is consistency, right? So the toughest C. Yeah. Um, in restaurant business, everybody wants to be a chef. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found. I did not want to be. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> uh, so you know, you you we would have people come from um, the Marriott. Uh, experience and educational process, which is by far one of the most recognized best processes yes, in, the, in, the, in the country. Sure. And we still had to, to take a look at that and say, okay, whatever we change here is fine. Just make sure that, again, that sandwich that is made at lunchtime is the same sandwich that's made at 6 o'clock in the afternoon by the second shift. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the service you predict at the front door mm -hmm. is, hello, how are you doing? How, uh, nice to see you again. You know, Yes. Uh, and that kind of thing, just make sure that it's consistent throughout because when you become inconsistent, that's when people get frustrated and don't mm -hmm. come back. And it can be the smallest inconsistency, yes. like changing the mugs. Do you remember when you changed the mugs? Yeah. <laughs> that didn't yeah. go over well. We had to bring the mugs back, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it, it's, it goes back to it. There, sometimes it, it's, uh, you know, I remember a time when we were, we were doing a, a large group and and my Marriott trained chef, who was excellent and, and really added to the business over the years. He yeah, was just he super. Did. He was just super in, in what he added to the success of our business. Um, I've been trained to slice the turkey a certain way. Mm -hmm. Big on portions. Yes. Well, you're in central Pennsylvania. I know. You're in Dutch country. Yes. And the people in that area want their turkey pulled, not sliced. That's right. And so we learned real hard fast lessons because we had to repeat the meal at a different time because we had sliced the turkey wrong. Yep. So such a small thing, small but things. such an important thing from a local perspective, from yeah. a customer base that we, you know, had to change the way the turkey was, was sliced. That's so interesting. So, I mean, you know, consistency, so cleanliness, consistency, control, those three C's definitely contributed to the sustained growth. You know, I was fortunate enough to have worked there at 16. I was a disgruntled teenager, but I still, you know, came in and worked. And I learned so much about the importance of cause and effect. And I do think that your intention in making sure that we all, not just myself and Marcy or mom, but that everyone on the team understood the importance of each of those and that the if we weren't, then we would get a different response from the customers that came in. And I do think that that attributed a lot to the success in the repeat business because people wanted to come back in because it was a place they felt very welcome. But certainly, you know, the rise to the top is not without challenge. And we've talked about this at nauseum over the last 20 years or so. Um, was there any pivotal moments when you owned the avenue that changed the way you viewed the business or caught you by surprise? I think initially, in, in our uh, our first goal was to to kind of suppress the slide in the business. It had been on a downward trend, and it's no criticism of the former no. owner. He admitted that to me when he took over. He says it needs new blood, it needs new ideas. 
And, and so, you know, the first 12, 14 months, uh, I became frustrated in that my vision yeah. wasn't happening. Yeah. It, 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 was I ahead of the curve or had I misinterpreted yeah. what people would respond to? Mm-hmm. And um, shortly after that, sitting in the restaurant thinking, what else could I put in this building? Um, and so I, I looked at that and I thought, well, I really haven't given it enough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, most business uh, restaurants uh, fail within the first five years, yep. and and only only five percent survive the first five years. So I yep. thought, well, I'm going to give it five. Right. Shortly after that, it took off. Suddenly, I think the whole world at one point in time um, accepted <laughs> my accepted my uh, vision. Yeah. And and so it it started to happen for us. Um, you know, you know, I think at some point in time, uh, you, you're appreciative of that, and you, you want to keep that rolling, and you want to keep that going. But at the same time, you have to understand that sometimes you have to be careful with what you wish for. Sure. No, of course. And so without having to – we didn't want to change the atmosphere and the perception of our customers. Sure. But we wanted to improve on new, new, new opportunities for changing the menu, things mm-hmm. like that. And so that kept us busy uh, for quite some time. And to do that, not to get away from who you really were. Because I think the biggest mistake you can make in small business, particularly in small business, is to forget who you are and where you want to go and where you came from. And if you try to be somebody you're not, your customers will... They'll know right away. They'll know right away. Mm -hmm. And they'll they'll make you pay a price. Yeah. So it was always always one of those cases where, is this something that's going to work for us? Mm And am I, this is something that I'm going to make a family heirloom, or yep. is this something that's just a business, and it's, it's, it's just another part of my career? Yeah. And so I, I think as time wore on, I realized that this was not going to be a family heirloom. I don't think you and your sister wanted to, to take was, on the challenge. It was hard work. <laughs> and, you know, in hindsight, I mean, obviously it inspired an entire book. So it did serve <laughs> a really great purpose, which we'll get to in a, in a bit here. But... But I do think, you know, we, Marcy and I watched how you worked it. You know, you and mom worked it full time, 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week, whatever it took, right? If we were busy or if someone called out sick or if we had to cover a shift. Um, And I think after 10 years, you know, we saw just how hard it was at our level and we weren't even running the company. And so I don't think it was much that it wasn't a business we would want to run. I think we were too young, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was, you know, by the time you sold it, I was in my early 20s still trying to figure my way out. Um, Marcy had, had moved on to Schindler where she became an engineer. Um, so, yeah, so it, it wasn't necessarily going to be something that that we took on, um, but you certainly had hit probably a moment where you knew it was time to get out. Yeah, and I think it's important to know that um, when I chose to get in to this business, I had already developed in mind an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. And I think people uh, who are, have not been in the situation where they're, they're, they're planning in, in, into going into business think, before I open the doors, I got to have a plan for closing the doors mm-hmm. or passing the doors on. And yes, mm-hmm. if you're going to go into a business, you're going to buy a business, before you turn the key on the first day, you should have an idea in your head or a plan in your head how you're going to exit yeah. that door. And I think along the way, I had, I had thought about it very hard and strong. I felt this was an established business that had been in this community mm-hmm. forever. I'd love to bring people in that enjoyed doing uh, what everyone, the team enjoyed doing, being part of. Sure. And someday, having the person, one of those people who'd stayed with us a long time and really made a commitment, 
would be interested in stepping up in the ownership position. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, uh, at some point in time, it comes along in the 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and you, you don't feel as though you're being as effective as maybe you could be. Sure. Um, it, it's hard, okay, because you're, it becomes so much a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not just what you do every day. You, sure. You're actually living this business. And, and so you, the last thing you, you, the first thing you want to tell yourself is I'm so important to this that nobody else could do this. And of course that's wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> Sadly. But at, at the same time, yeah. you know, we were able to develop somebody, a young man who come along and was ready. Yeah. Uh, he started working for you when he was 14. 14 years as old. As a dishwasher. As a dishwasher. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking around thinking that, well, when we did this, you know, a lot of the studies said you should change ownership every eight to 10 years. And. We had initially figured it was going to be a 12-year stint, okay, yep. and, and, and before we would start moving out. Uh, Ten years was rolling around, and, and we'd had a really busy day. And a young man who had started as a dishwasher, yep. been a Worked prep his cook, way up. Yeah. been a head chef, and he wanted to go out and be, he wanted to learn the front end of the business. He wanted to learn the, the uh, and he was, became a server and just. He and I competed. Oh, yeah. Oh, and gosh. it was amazing the amount of money this young man could make. I know. Um, I was kidding him one night when he was counting his tips. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I looked at him and said, holy cow. I said. He would he, rake up. Oh. He would just flash a smile and a nod. And these yeah. ladies would just roll out the dollars. I had to work twice as hard to get the same amount. Well, you have to remember, <laughs> this is sort of a family style was, diner, yeah. okay, yeah. type environment. Yeah. Uh, although it was more upscale uh, yeah. in, in that terms. But, but you know, women were pretty much the... <laughs> More. <laughs> they were, yeah. You get a young, star-looking man, young yeah, man, yeah. you know, with a great personality. Yeah. And boy, the, the, the pocketbooks opened. I tell and, you. And he was good at it. He was. Oh, he became. I mean, he was just really. He, he had met his his place. Yeah. And um, he was counting. I said, man, I, I'll sell you this place and and uh, come wait tables for you. I, I can make a whole heck of a lot more money. <laughs> and and that sort of stuck. It was like six months later. He comes to me and he goes. You know, Mark, I decided I don't want to college. I love doing this. This yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, if I can make it work, can I can I buy the business from you? Mm-hmm. Big, a big, uh, big step. It's for a, a big young step. man of twenty three years old. Yeah. But it was a testament to his capabilities and his personality and his drive and ambition. Mm-hmm. He pulled the financing together and bought yes, the business. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. No, and I think what's incredible is you know even having watched him because I mean. He was younger than I was, but I mean, we worked together, but he understood what it took, right? Like he understood the work ethic. He understood you couldn't cut corners, right? And I think that was part of the difference. I think also too, he was really passionate about it, much Mm -hmm. like you were, right? I mean, people didn't come in just because it was a really great, you know, roasted chicken dinner. They did come in for that, but I think it was also, you know, they could sense the energy. They could sense you know, that, that we were all invested in it. Um, and all of our team was too. So for him to take it over, you know, was, was fantastic. And, and even though there have been several owners since, um, of that property, it is still a thriving restaurant. It's now Noodle House, which I know you and I had the opportunity of going in and eating um, for the first time um, just, what, two years ago or mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, we went in and mm-hmm. sat down. And I mean, when we went in, we sat there. I know both you and I are surveying the ceiling, the floors, the booths. We're, we're looking for sort of familiarity. But, I mean, did it make you miss it? No. I, I think, um, first off, your mother always told me that 
in our 52 years of marriage uh, that I was only allowed to have one wrestling. It's <laughs> so, a very good role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was, I, I, I knew I couldn't afford to divorce, so I figured, okay, <laughs> restaurants are in my past, not in my future. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we all, it's one of those things, a business is often one of those places where, um, you know, once you're there and you're, you pass it on, mm -hmm. that there's no going back. Yeah. Um, although there's been opportunities and things to offer, Yes. Um, it, it, I've, I've done that. I've, that's that act. I've done that act. Okay, mm -hmm. that show was on. It was a success, yeah. and uh, it's time to move on to a new script. Yeah. No. Um, and, and so, uh, no, I, I don't really look. Uh, don't I miss? I, I when I walk in because we we had we had not only rebuilt the business, we rebuilt the building. Yes, and the brand. And the brand. Mm -hmm. Over ten years, we we had done. We returned the building to its its original appearance of 1958, all mm -hmm. brand new, but it, it had that appearance that was such a part of the community. And so when I go back in now, I, that's still there. It is still there. The bones it, are there. The bones are there. Yeah. But uh, it's different. Yes. And so it's okay because everybody has their um, has their their people, have yeah. their customers, and they've developed their own personalities, and and that's fine, even though. The, the tables look the same, and the floor looks the same, and the ceiling looks the same. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's fun again to see it passed on to somebody else who's making their mark in the world. No, I agree. I mean, I I think for me, you know, I think it was hard to go back after you'd sold it, only because it had been such a big part of our life, right? It was our mm -hmm. life. Um, you know, during the time that you owned it, there's so many good things that happened there. There's certainly challenging things that happened while we were there, but so many lessons that we learned. And, and I mean, certainly what inspired um, my book, Dare to Become From the Corner Boot to the Corner Office, I really felt like whether this was intentional or not on, on your part or mom's part, but you really were instrumental in teaching us the foundation of work and work ethic. And I, I still believe this today is that, you know, every child should work in a restaurant or in a service business because I do think it gives you a unique lens into the world. Um, you know, everyone you wait on is different. Everyone that you work with comes from a different background. Um, and I think that it gives you insights into things like customer service, how to communicate. I mean, do you feel as though um, that's getting lost in today's or how can we get back to teaching that? Maybe that's the better question. Well, I was a big believer when I bought the restaurant that the future was based in its in your in your employee team. Mm -hmm. um, not many restaurants at the time were were providing healthcare benefits and mm -hmm. paid vacations, and and benefits mm -hmm. you know to their employees. I did that. I brought the corporate attitude to the business sure. and was told by a lot of my competitors that I was crazy. I wouldn't. I couldn't do that. But what we were able to do was to build a team who, this was their, this was more than a job to them. This was their mm -hmm. profession. Sure. And that, that shows through to, to the product that you, you're delivering. Yeah. And, and so you get that part of it right. It, it, it's inevitable that you're going to succeed to some extent. Sure. But getting that part correct is very difficult. It's very hard. Um, and I, too, I've always said, um, you know, I made you and your sister work a lot harder than any other two employees. I mean, you did. I mean, at the time, <laughs> I probably wasn't so happy about it. But goodness, looking back, thank goodness you did. Well, and I, I think that, you know, um, I didn't come out of a, 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 a high school um, 
and go into college. It took mm-hmm. me a few years to get around to it. And, yeah. and, uh, well, because your father, you know, invested in your older brother, right? Mm-hmm. So we've had, um, you know, if we look at your family, right? So you're, um, you've got a sister and two mm-hmm. brothers. And at that age, at that time, the, you invested in the oldest male, right? And so he got to go to college, mm-hmm. and there was no money for you and your brother. Your brother went into the military, um, and you went into the workforce. So you really worked your way up from literally the machine floor all the way to the corporate office. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, along the way, you know, I, I found an employer that was willing to invest in me, mm-hmm. and that's how I got my, my college education in large part. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my my family my, my my family was you know a lot of people say you do you, you try to do the same for both your kids or all three of your kids or all four of your kids well at the time <laughs> that yeah. hasn't always been the same you know yeah. the, the firstborn was always the one that sort of went out and and, uh, and 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 sort of hacked through the weeds and and, and that was generational that right was maybe generational. not so that much true today but no. that was generational but I, I was fortunate in having. Um, I think the most fortunate thing I, that, I've, that I've had that bestowed on me that I had nothing to do with was having uh, two brothers and a sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When if we look at your family, and I know we had uh, Tiffy on here, who's your um, your brother's daughter, mm-hmm. and she talked. We talked about sort of our family is that you talk about how you know coming out of corporate. That's always the goal to have your own business, but it isn't necessarily for everyone. I do also think that there's a bit of a an innate ability potentially if i look at you and your siblings you know um you know your one brother had successful landscaping companies and um one you know owned a working farm right a Mm -hmm. a cattle farm for years um you know they're all very entrepreneurial and i know that that you did have some experience with that with your own father right being a small business owner at a time in his career not necessarily his whole career but no he was he pretty much uh, had a a career such as mine worked for a corporation for mm-hmm. most of his career and then went into business for himself and yeah. and, and so that was sort of inbred in, in, in all of us mm-hmm. but I, I think um, the path was a little easier for me because I, I had people who were my uh, my mentors mm-hmm. okay and yeah. they, they sort of laced the trail um, uh, my brother next to me I think was was I was constantly looking to him yep. um, to, to, to see how it's done Mm-hmm. And he, he inspired me along the way, and and the same with my with my other two siblings. But I think that um, you know we, we see we know families. I do. I have friends yeah. whose father was a, a physician. They became a physician. Sure. You know, it, it's sort of um, it's what you know, mm-hmm. and and whether uh, that's your intention to to go down that route. And I certainly at the point in time in my life, I didn't think it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I swore I'd never go into business. <laughs> Look at how that turned Look, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's so it, you, you do you go where you're most comfortable being. Yeah. And and uh, while some people strike out and do something really different, and it's obviously that happens. I think in my case, it was just uh, if you look at my my father's brothers them. and sisters and yeah. my mother's, they they all had a business. Um, some part of either part-time, full-time, or, mm-hmm. or a dream of, of being in business. Well, and I mean, so Uncle Bill had a flower shop, yeah, and I remember yeah. as a kid going into the flower shop and thinking, wow, this is so cool. Our last name is on the on moniker the building, outside yeah. on the building. And at the yeah. time, you know, probably didn't put two and two together right. to, to think what that means, but that's one of the 
that was one of the what longest running flower shops in that area and then was was transferred on they kept the name so our name stayed on that awning for a little bit longer but you know and your your father had a toy store and I know mom's parents had a gas station and they have their own convenience store as well so definitely part of the roots I would say yeah and I think that you know when your mother told me she says you know um you ought to go in. You ought to just do this business yourself. That night, she told me. She says, "Just pull the pin early, a corporate, corporate mm-hmm. pin early, and and at least I'll know where you're at, and I can come have dinner with you every night." Because mm-hmm. she had a career in banking. Yeah, she was she in did. banking. So, what she didn't realize uh, was that the 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 history, her family history, would kick in. And yes, she came in every night, but she ended up coming in working her second job. Yes, she did. And for five years, and after five years, she, she became a full-time employee um, mm. and uh, joined me full-time mm-hmm. in the business. And and she had her own business when she when I she first did. met her. So yeah. I mean, she had that experience from yeah. her family, from her background. And and so after spending 15 years in the banking industry, she she came back home. Yeah. So I think that has a lot to play with it. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good business person. That's that's a good point. That's true. Well, as you as you look at you know folks that are thinking about starting a business or maybe entrepreneurs that have started a business and are just getting started. I mean, what are some nuggets of wisdom? I mean, I know that the days can be long. I know that the work can be hard. But what are some of the things that you would impart on others who maybe are in it and going through it? I remember the time that we we had started the process of looking for a, a purchase, someone to purchase the business from us. And I had a gentleman come in with the with an agent, my agent, and he looked around and he was obviously a corporate guy mm-hmm. uh, or a bureaucrat of some. I don't know where it was, but he obviously had a, a pretty much a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And his first question to me was, "How many hours do you work?" Mm-hmm. And if you're going to ask that question, stay out of business. Stay where you are, yeah, and and do the best you can at that job because you're needed there. Mm-hmm. It takes a really good talent to be there and mm-hmm. do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a nine to five job. It's not a regardless of what business you start. It is not a nine to five. No, in, in <laughs> you you end up living it. It's it's your life. It's your lifestyle. Your whole life, social and, and otherwise, evolves around the business. Yeah, <clears throat> because. You know, if, if uh, there happens to be something come up you want to go do and something happens at the business, guess what gets the attention and guess where you don't go. <laughs> um, but that's part of it, and you sure. have to be willing to accept that. If you don't accept that it's going to be the hardest thing that you've ever done, mm-hmm. um, keep collecting that paycheck. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing is I always had a, you know, I, stepping out on it is that, you know, it's difficult sometimes when you're looking at doing something and you say, oh, I can do this. Well, sleep on it. And if you can, if you can visualize yeah. walking away from that paycheck that you've collected for 15 or 20 years or even five years yeah. okay, that you know comes every two weeks, whether you, you know, yep. whatever weather hits, and if you can sleep through the night, then you give us some serious consideration. Mm-hmm. But don't... Um, don't think it's easy, and I, I see a lot of folks today. They have a they have a love of doing something. Sure. Some people love to bake. Some yeah. people love to uh, to do handicrafts and artwork and whatnot. And and sometimes you know they don't calculate what it's going to take to make that 
hobby mm-hmm. a successful business. Exactly. And, and you know, you, you and I talked about this from time to time. The first thing you have to do when you're looking at opening a business is, you know, if, if, if your business is cupcakes, how many cupcakes do you have to sell to pay the rent every month? Exactly. And can you make that many cupcakes? Yep. And it's, it seems like a really simple analogy, but, it, it, but if you stop and think about it, uh, it makes you think about, okay, is this viable? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the first thing. In my case, we had a viable business that was already running. Yeah, and we sold really great omelets, too. So <laughs> you would tell us how many omelets we had to sell on a Sunday morning breakfast. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I joke, but, but you're right, right? It yeah. comes down to how much of something do you need to sell? Not, yes, I can afford to pay the rent, or yes, I can get a lease on a building, but rather, can you afford to pay for all of the things that come with that? Yeah, and what's it going to take to motivate people to come to you? Yeah. You know, I think when people start to, to look at going into business, they, they look at somebody there that's already successful and say, oh, boy, I'm going to open that up, and everybody's going to come to me. And my first question then is, why do you think that? Right. Um, your competitor, okay, and it's good to look at your competitor. Remember, I always yeah. look from a competitor. People said, how did you turn that so quick? I said, well, I looked at the person who was number one in my niche. Mm-hmm. And looked at what they were doing that was right and was working, and I copied it. Exactly. Let's be honest here, okay? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not some guy. Executed it flawlessly. Yeah. (laughs) And then look at what they're not doing or are willing to do. Yeah. And improve upon what they are doing, and that is pretty much as basic as I can get to. That's the the formula for success. But so many folks go in and think that well, I can do a better job, and so everybody's just going to stop going to that place across Mm -hmm. the street and going to come running to me. And guess what? That's not the case. Yeah. I mean, we hear that a lot in marketing, too, where it's like, oh, hey, I threw up a website, so all of these people are going to suddenly find me. Well, much like if you open up a storefront, just because the doors are open doesn't mean that folks are going to come in. You have to give them a reason to walk across that threshold. And and if it's a great experience that's consistent um, and that, it, you know, they feel that, they'll keep coming across that threshold, much like, um, much like you guys did at the, the Avenue. Um, well, this has been one episode. I know we've packed a lot into this and I'm sure we could go in many different tangents about what we've learned. Um, is there a favorite memory from the Avenue? Uh, I think it's, it's the whole uh, experience mm-hmm. is my favorite thing. Um, you know, we, we ended up having clients that were very successful mm-hmm. celebrities mm-hmm. that when they walked across the front threshold, it was Sam, Paul, Susie, Mm-hmm. Sally, it wasn't the actor, the rock star, the famous author, mm-hmm. you know, the Pulitzer Prize winner, yep. the famous politician. Yep. And I think my favorite time was when they would come in and sit down and we would all talk just like we were yeah. Gettysburg residents. Exactly. And we shared a story with one another. And then we got up and when we walked out the door, they went back to their famous lifestyles and mm-hmm. we were still there talking to somebody else that was yeah. the, the experience. The, the stories, yeah. the people. Uh, I agree. It was yeah. my favorite thing. I think it's the thing I miss too. I love the people. I loved learning. I mean, I know in my own business, I talk a lot about people and understanding people. And I think my curiosity for people started when I worked at the Avenue because we were very lucky, as you mentioned, to have so many different people come in. But I learned a lot from them. I listened to their stories. I listened to um, what they had to share with me. And a lot of them gave me some great advice, right? Even as I started my career. So certainly that was a motivation for the book that I've written and, and certainly also for this podcast, which is to just continue to tell those stories because I think it's in those stories that we all find 
kind of the next step forward. So thank you for joining us for this podcast. Hopefully you'll come back. I know we can't get mom on here, but <laughs> well, <laughs> that was a hard no. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. It was, yeah. yeah. We won't go back and ask that question again. Yeah. But no, I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah. I've often told people, I said, you know, I, I never had the opportunity to develop an adult relationship with, with, with my parents. Yeah. It just wasn't something that was uh, meant to be. Okay, I lost yeah. them both very young in, in, my, in my life. But uh, I'm finding that my relationship with my kids in an adult situation now is extremely rewarding. And mm. uh, we're always here. Well, likewise. Always likewise, so. Dad. I mean, you're, you're the first call when there's a problem, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but you're also the first call when there are positive things yes. going on. Yes, so yes. it certainly, like I said, has shaped up my career. And certainly I know others that have worked for you over the years. But... Um, for those of you joining today, I hope if you are in Gettysburg um, that you stop by the Avenue Restaurant. It's now called May's Noodle House. It's fantastic. The folks are great. The food is equally as good. Um, but we appreciate you joining us for today's episode with Mark Kropp. Um, subscribe to our podcast or follow us on www.aspiretobe.co. My challenge for you, aspire to be, dare to become. You might just surprise yourself. Thanks for joining us for today's episode, and we look forward to seeing you on the next.